We are discussing Babel, so we want to try and find the words to remember our reading experience of Babel and so also to discuss that incredible book that so many people have read. What did you think of it? I really liked it. What about you? Loved it. I find it brilliant. Uh, I love the storytelling in it. I found it great. I love the mix of genres that was really successful in my opinion. Um, I'm not might I might not agree with everything in it, but that's why we are discussing it. Okay. Um, so what is it about? For so let's remind everyone. Yeah, it's actually set in the 1830s, so in England mostly. It's um, about Babel, which is the Institute of Translation of the University of Oxford. Um, so imaginary, of course. Uh, it's so Babel is very prestigious because it's the source of power of the British Empire. And so people from around the world are gathered in this place, working to make progress in the knowledge of all the languages in the world. And maybe it's not just that, though, because Babel scholars are also in charge of silver working. Uh, so this is something that was invented in this fantasy novel. And so we are going to discuss this. But in short, uh, silver is a symbol of power. Yes. And it's in the context of a silver revolution that accelerates progress for Britain and the empire. Although, obviously, here the question of progress is, is um, at stake in the novel. Uh, and so the main character is Robin, a young orphan from Canton, China. Uh, his family died of the plague and he was then brought to England by a professor whom he absolutely Evil. had never heard of. Professor. Professor Lovell. Uh, so he learns Greek and Latin and then he goes up to Oxford and he becomes a student at Babel himself. And so he finds the place uh, beautiful. He's super happy to be learning there. Um, he's found fellow students whom he loves and he's fascinated by everything around it. But he also soon discovers the other side of the coin. Yes. So, in other words, it's a brilliant mix of fantasy and historical fiction. And I think that that's one of the arguments that make it um, an, a great novel and even a masterpiece, in my opinion. Yeah, there's also some elements of coming-of-age story in it. Definitely. And that's also an aspect that I really loved because I, I thought yeah. it was quite well made. So, yeah. So the um, historical fiction, well, the historical side of this novel is about uh, the Industrial Revolution. Yes. In, she takes a different um, take on it. Instead of the discovery of the steam machine and all of that, it's silver, the silver working, how people discovered that they could use silver to advance technology. Yeah, so that's it. Basically, silver is considered as that added bonus to make things work better, more efficiently, yeah. keeps things standing, like yeah. bridges, for yes. example. So stronger, helps um, running trains, 
Yes, mm. also, <laughs> I found it quite funny uh, making coaches uh, ride more smoothly. So, yeah. So also kind co- of like an automatic uh, driving of the coaches. Yes, maybe as well, yeah. Yeah, preventing horses from yes. straying and so yeah, that was a, a clever and funny way of uh, yeah, considering and things. Yeah, silver works for like big things like uh, buildings and bridges, but also some very minor comforts. That's it. Yeah, and that's one of the uh, yeah. the issues in the novel is that so much wealth is used for things that are just for extra comfort, but yep. not everybody can enjoy it. As no, so. no, because. Silver is for a very small amount of people mm. because it's very expensive. Mm. Yeah, and so obviously here there is this divide between privileged, wealthy people and those who are just coping in the world without silver, so just with whatever resources they personally have. And yeah. usually if they don't have money, well, they have a hard life. Um, what's... What's really interesting as well with that, it was, we can do a parallel with technology today because in this society, people have become, especially rich people, have become silver reliant. Mm-hmm. And and they play on this in order to get money because there's a quote in the book that says that they make on purpose things working with silver very tempor- temporarily uh, in order to in order for the um, for the machine or whatever is working on on silver to need maintenance so they can get more money mm. so it's a and 19th it, century yeah planned obsolescence <laughs> yeah obsolescence. Exactly. also they make maintenance uh uh very expensive yeah so that yeah babel is also making a lot of money on the maintenance of things that work on silver. That's right, yeah. And that's also what I love about this book is that it's a mix of historical fiction and fantasy. And in my opinion, um, the perks of fantasy is that first, it's fun reading, but also second, it allows you to take a step aside uh, and see our real world with a different point of view uh, from a different angle Mm -hmm. so that we can criticize it with uh let's say fresh uh fresh eyes Mm -hmm. and that was uh, that's what is really interesting and and that that makes it um that makes babel a really great novel uh from the point of view of food for thought Uh, how silver works is with language which is the second a very the second important uh theme of the book is the importance of language and the power that it can have. Yeah. That was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We are not going to, spa- to spoil the whole story. No. You'll, you'll read the novel if you haven't read it yet and you'll discover how silver and languages or language are, are mixed. But it's also a very clever thing to do. And that's, that's one of the aspects of the novel that I really loved because... Um, I studied languages, in particular English at university, so that's something I love discovering, mm-hmm. how each language has its own unique way of describing reality and um, seeing things. And the discrepancy between what two languages can can achieve is yeah. really interesting, and that's what the, the novel plays on. Yeah, that's the... So the, the novel is kind of divided between... 
the pace is divided between those long, uh, slow academic passages that I thought I would, wouldn't enjoy because I saw a lot of re reviews saying that it's very slow, slow paced. But I really like them. And mm. I think it's because we did study uh, yeah. language at university. It was really interesting to read all about it. Yeah, and definitely. So yeah. And I think that what uh, made me really enjoy Babel is that I had the opportunity to read it in Oxford. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Sitting in a cafe uh, with this, well, all these people that I had no idea where they were from, who they were. But there's that kind of energy. Uh, people are so eager to discover things in Oxford. So yeah. it was great. I mean, I I felt like I had um, the vibes that the main characters enjoy so much about the place. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what a delight. So yeah, as I said, well, maybe we had not said it. Yeah, we did. Uh, Babel is set in Oxford. Yeah. And it's perfect for Oxford lovers because it relies heavily on the actual geography, mm -hmm. except for a few alterations. But these alteration or alterations are really, well, they brilliantly serve the plot because they've changed a few, a few locations. But yeah, very well done. So pure delight. And yeah, did you enjoy the part? That aspect of the novel, like being set in Oxford, or yeah. for you, would it have been the same had it been uh, set in a in just any kind of uh, city with a university? I don't think so, because Oxford is known for being an academic town. So it was really clever of her to uh, set it here, mm -hmm. set it there. So no, really, I really enjoyed the fact that it was in in Oxford. I've visited it like 10 years ago, so I didn't remember all of the things that she talked about. But no, I really, I really liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of, Oxford is kind of a character on its own um, yeah. in the novel. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. And so, obviously, uh, there are dark academia vibes to this oh, novel. Because yeah. it's set in Oxford uh, with the theme of knowledge being used to not that good aims mm -hmm. and so yes I, I don't know much about dark academia dark academia but uh that was yeah i mean the, the the atmosphere is perfect yeah it is it's a group of a small group of people who are studying one specific um academic uh point here it's linguistic so yeah, it's definitely uh very it's a dark academia academia book for mm. sure Mm. And there's also, um, well, I think we can also see it as a retelling of the biblical myth of uh, Babel. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, this episode when uh, humanity wanted to build a tower so high that it would reach the sky yeah. and God. And so God decided to punish the pride of men um, by making them speak a multitude of languages all of a sudden when they spoke only one language yeah. before that and so speaking different languages they could not understand each other anymore so uh the, the project fell through and they just went uh, their own ways on earth and um that's a clever um starting point to a novel thinking about languages yeah. and uh, how all this uh, works because um 
the Babel Institute uh, has permission to, well, the mission of the Babel Institute is to uh, record the grammars of all the languages in the world so as to make use of these languages. It's not just for the sake of knowledge, it's for the sake of power. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know the saying, knowledge is power. Yeah, absolutely. And um, some of the scholars at Babel try to recreate the original unique language that humanity used to speak. And that's also one of the, well, that's a minor element in the novel, but uh, that's also a myth that is deconstructed in this yeah. novel in that there might never have it have been that Adamic language that everyone would speak in. So we have a number of characters in this novel. So the protagonist is Robin Swift. That's it. Did you like him? Not particularly. I mean, I didn't dislike him, but I didn't, I didn't get attached to anything. I thought it was very passive until he wasn't. Mm. All of a sudden, yeah, he became very yeah, yeah, active but weird. Yeah. And I think none of the characters are really that enjoyable. They're all... Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, they're not really likable, are no, they? No, and I some mean, are really awful. Absolutely. I think that, yeah, I, I read Babel, I think, a month ago. So I, I've been thinking about mm-hmm. it ever since. And... With hindsight, I think that my favorite character is Victoire. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that group of four students. So Robin, who is the main character yep. that we follow from the very beginning. Rami. Uh, Rami, who is another guy that he meets at Oxford and who is from India. India. Yeah. And they are with two girls. So one is Victoire. Yeah, she's from Haiti. Haiti, yeah. And, and she was raised in France. That's it. For so a she few was born years. in Haiti. Yeah. Maybe spent her first years there. Her first and year. then yep. moved to France. And that's where she was educated until she went up to Oxford as yes. well. And the fourth one is Letty, yep. uh, who is an English girl from a well of fam- family, yeah. white family. She's the only yeah. white. She's the definition uh, of white privilege in this novel. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. A bit stero- stereotypical. Yeah. So I think that's Victoire that I preferred because... She was the more nuanced one, I thought, as well. Yeah, and also I think that she's the one who seems to want to stay alive. Yeah, and <laughs> the others were pretty grim in that respect. Mm-hmm. It seemed that they especially towards the end, especially at the end. Yeah, uh, the other characters seem to live really for their ideas. Yep, all of them, whatever ideas they mm-hmm. have. Um, and I don't relate to that. I mean, <laughs> I know that when you have strong opinions and when you really. Uh, hold strong principles I understand that you fight for them but then I think for me life is the strongest principle yeah and I agree I really relate with uh, Victor's way of finding her 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 well her own place mm-hmm. in 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 the world that they live in 
although she herself underwent um, discrimination first as a woman, a woman in Oxford was not uh, well accepted, and second as a non-white person. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, racism in this novel. Yeah. So the characters are not really likable, maybe except Victoire, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. But I didn't hate Robin. I didn't oh, hate no. not at Rami. All. Uh, Just but it's kind of indifferent towards them. Yes. They are interesting. They really are interesting. Because yeah. there is... I mean, that's one other aspect that I really enjoyed about this novel is that the characters, the main characters, are convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, the development of the characters is, uh, I think, well done in that we gradually get more information about their backgrounds um about the way they see things and also how robin himself evolves so i think that yeah. that's another label that we can add to babel is that it's definitely a coming of age story oh definitely yeah um we see robin evolving from that child who's taken from his uh, birthplace in china then being introduced to that English context. Yeah, being full of wonders for it. Yeah. And then gradually discovering the dark sides of all these things that he loves. So it's it's very interesting to follow um, because you also, I mean, especially, well, that's the way you also grow as a person. First, you're full of hope and ideals and and you 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 love things and then you discover that not everything is um black and white yep. and there are dark sides to things and that's what i really really loved about uh, robin also the way he discovers uh english ways like yeah. uh the food yeah the the um, shortbreads the shortbreads and the different kinds of shortbreads yeah. The flapjacks, and yeah, it's really great for that. Uh, What I really loved is this scene early on in the novel when Professor Lovell takes Robin to a bookshop. Oh, yeah. To buy his very first book. Yeah. And when you're a book lover, Mm, you definitely, yeah, the first time you like walk into a bookshop as a child. Yeah, and you're just overwhelmed by the amount of books that are around you. So yeah, that was beautiful scene as well. Yeah. What do you thought of Professor Lovell? Who's the one of the main villains of of the novel? That's it. Well I would say that as you said, he's a villain and quite a stock character. Yeah, he's flat. truly evil. Yeah. The things he does in this novel, like the we're going to enter a bit of a spoiler, mm-hmm. I think, uh, section of this um, episode. But what he did to Robin and why Robin exists is just, it's awful. <laughs> yes. It's like he created this little breeding program. Almost, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, there's nothing official about it. No. But it's but just that. That's yeah. the way Professor Lovell decided yeah. to almost create like... Um, that, yeah, as you said, a breed of yeah. students with mixed heritage, so yeah. English through yeah. him, and then Chinese mother, because yeah. Professor Lovell is interested in 
uh, Chinese languages. Yeah, even though he's full-on racist towards them. Yes, absolutely. It seems like, let's say it, the Chinese women are just breeding stock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he definitely treats them at, like like that, as, as that, yeah. Yeah, because he wants kids who can live and breathe and dream in Chinese languages. Yeah. Because that's a very important thing for civil yeah. working to really basic master languages yeah. to the point of dreaming that language. Yeah. And that's the way he <laughs> chose yeah, they're tools to for him. achieve that. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's just... So. And you don't realize that right from the start. No, you don't. Until just after the oh, that awful episode about the book that he um, went with him to buy, that you're like, oh, he's so, he's kind of nice. Like, he's bringing him to his first bookshop. And then, and then the... And then when Robin... Curtains yeah, drop. And yeah, oh my. Was enjoying his book yeah. so much that he lost track of time. Yeah. And he was, yeah, that was the thing not to do. Yeah. And he was punished for it. Yeah, very, very harshly. Yeah. So, yeah. That's one of the clues that we get quite early on in the yeah. novel about Professor Lovell. And then there is nothing positive about Professor no. Lovell. Even the fact that he teaches is uh, not positive because, well, I, I can't remember precise examples of it. But I think he says he's quite, um, not uh, boring, but the um, his um, lectures are quite flat. I think that's what, that's how Robin describes them. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I think it says flat, but still somehow interesting. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't look like a great teacher. Mm. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit flat and stereotypical, but then yeah. I, I understand that it serves the the plot to yeah. have him as that kind of villain. Yeah. But that was an original thing to have that villain breed the kind of yeah. kids that he needs for his endeavours. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any other kind of secondary character that... Oh, yes. The housekeeper to Professor Lovell. Oh, yeah. She, I remember her as a good woman. Who, yeah, she was nice. Who who bakes the best. She was nice, but at the same time... Yeah. She didn't do anything to help Robin. No. Like, there's a scene after he was, you know, punished, where she clearly sees the consequences of this punishment. Mm. And she acts like nothing happened which is probably because she was a servant in this yes. house and she didn't have any power yeah but we I don't mean, have I any scenes afterwards where she you know goes to comfort him or right. anything yeah that's right even though she's the most nurturing person in mm. robin's life mm. yeah that's right also she has that tiny role as the housekeeper and then nothing else yeah she's yeah contained in that role so yeah, it's true that the secondary characters are not... They're not fully fleshed out. No, definitely no. not. Uh, another character I would like to talk about is Griffin, mm-hmm. you know, um, Robin's brother. Mm. And they are presented at the beginning of the book as complete opposite because Griffin is um, the one who wants to take action, who wants to, who doesn't hesitate to be violent mm. to get his goal. And mm-hmm. Robin is the complete opposite because mm-hmm. he wants to say passive and like passive resistance mm-hmm. and yeah robin still believes in the fact that people are good and then you can talk to their goodness to make things change yeah. and make make them understand and feel for people who are undergoing 
hardship. Yeah. While Griffin seems to, yeah, to have a bleaker, bleaker view of things. Yeah. In that regard. Mm. And so, did you like Griffin, the character? No, thought he was over the top with the violence and. I think I was more on uh, Robin's side in terms of let's do this more peacefully yeah. if we can. Yeah, me too. I know that, yeah, I think he he embodies that extreme way of seeing things like if you want to get things changed, you need to act violently yeah. and there's no other way. Yeah. And so I think that, but I mean, I also understand that it was necessary to have that kind of character because mm-hmm. what's at the heart of that novel is the reflection on the on necessity yeah. of violence. I think that it's it's in the subtitle mm-hmm. uh, of the, of the book, novel. Yeah. And so you have Griffin that really upholds this idea that you can't do anything without violence. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely necessary. And um, it takes a while for Robin to think on this. And as you said at the beginning, he's the total opposite. Yep. But then he gradually changes. Oh, yeah. And that's my issue with this novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to me, it seems that the novel condones violence. And yeah. I have a hard time with that. What do you think? I didn't think it condoned it. I think it presented it as one way of... Um, resolving a problem but I always think of books as they show you something and then you make your own opinion of is it good or is it bad but I always uh, consider stories in books um, not neutral but I always feel like I can make my own opinion of what is um, uh, well I agree with you in, that. in the book yeah I know what you mean but I think that it depends on the way the books are written some books mm-hmm are very good at doing this and they show different ways of seeing the issue. But I'm not sure that Babel was so neutral. Yeah. Because there's precisely that ending and we, <laughs> I think we need to talk about the ending. So oh, that's yeah. spoiler ha- oh, ahead. Yeah. If you haven't read the novel, don't listen to that yeah. part. Go, Go read it and then come back. Yeah, definitely. So the ending. Let's call a spade yeah. a spade. It's a suicide attack at the end, right? Yeah. I, I think don't we can call think that. she... Well, I guess because what they're doing is going to cause death by ricochet. Mm. But, yeah, it is. And it didn't... F- what I think she was... I guess what the characters were trying to do is, okay, let's sacrifice ourselves to for the greater good to in order to um destroy this awful thing that is happening but to me it felt like robin was at the end of his rope and he just wanted to die and he kind of brought people into it definitely because there were the people who died with him in the tower they were willing to i mean they agreed to it but but then there's also that that's what we mentioned earlier all the silver is here to make a lot of things run and stands so like bridges a lot of things and by destroying the tower of babel yeah. they are also destroying the very possibility of maintaining yeah. all this so destroying babel means the destruction of so many so more many things. things yeah 
And it also means the death of so many people. people. And they do know that because you have one instance in the book where uh, there's, I think it's the London Bridge, that they know is going to to need uh, maintenance while they are um, striking against, well, at Mm. the tower. And they know that. And they know that if the maintenance is not done, the bridge will probably collapse. Yeah, and And it does. And it does, and they let it go on. So it's kind of, it's, I don't know if you can call it passive aggression because they don't go killing the people themselves, but a result of their actions kills people. Mm. Well, interestingly, we have two instances of that indirect violence the uh, violence of the empire. Yep. That with all these decisions of wanting more power, more mm-hmm. wealth and so on. More money. Yeah. More money. Um, and the racism. Yeah. All this definitely kills people yeah. in the short or long yeah. term. But then there's also that Hermes society. So yeah. there's secret society who are fighting in a Robin Hood way. Uh, who are fighting the empire and it seemed to me that they were using that that same kind of logic in that you have a point of view you want to make it clear you want to achieve it and you're ready to take just any kind of action for this and there will be deaths damn the consequences damn the consequences Mm mm-hmm and I have an issue with this. Yeah, and I felt I also have an issue with the way it was presented because it you know that Robin you you understand that Robin has been thinking of dying for a while in the book, but and the, we understand his point of view because yes, he's, he's really in a yeah, like he lost <laughs> basically every, he lost a lot of people in a very violent way, and yeah. I think the guilt of yes, there's one guilt. of his action, yeah. Um, waits on him but it's the way that he convinces the other to do it with him with him I don't know it feels not almost forced like they it doesn't feel like their ideas mm. I don't know how to say what I want to say mm. but it didn't feel like the hero that sacrifices himself for the greater good mm. it just felt like one people, one person wanted to die, thought, okay, I can do it in a way that is going to stop what I think is complete evil. And then, oh, I need more people to do it. So yeah, die with me, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was interesting that Victoire didn't do it. That's it. And so that's also something... His closest ally. Yeah. It's another thing that is interesting in that novel is that, I mean... I see your point when you say that um, the reflection is open. So it seems to me to condone violence, but there's also that choice that Victoire makes. To not. Yeah. To not die and continue the fight wherever she will be. Yeah. So we know that it's not going to be easy for her. She's not going to have an easy life. She's not going to have that life of a Oxford mm-hmm. princess. Let's say, that, let's say it like that. But she has decided to fight on. And because, to be honest, I mean, destroying Babel, destroying the tower, is it really going to destroy the empire? 
Probably not. It's the way, you know, uh, this, exp- this expression, you cut the head off and then a thousand yeah. more heads grow so back. And it also felt like at the end, and I think one of his professors uh, that is uh, in the tower but decides to leave because he tells uh, Robin that it feels like personal vengeance Definitely. now and not just mm-hmm. um, um, defending the uh, ev- people and, yeah. and defending a, a good cause. It yeah. feels just like that he wants to get revenge for That's it. all yeah. the things that happened to him yeah. and to his friends. Mm. But here again, I mean, it's also a clever way to uh, portray... Um, somebody who is really living for a cause and you understand why this person might end up being a bit extreme is that you fight for a cause you give a lot of energy to it and then you see that people are not moving yeah but the thing is that much it doesn't feel like robin was this kind of person no not at the beginning yeah but then as he became more conscious of the consequences of the empire uh, of the power of the empire and also uh, typically in the context the war on China mm-hmm. the opium yep. war yeah you understand it but yeah I guess his his trip to China probably mm. so it's his eyes. I mean it's cons- it's consistent in the um, the development of the character mm-hmm. but true. <laughs> what what I found a bit weird is that he's quite young when he decides to die for the cause and yeah. I think it's in his fourth or fifth year, right, at Oxford? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. so 22, maybe. Yeah. Oh, no, does he go there at 16? Or what, 18? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. But he's less than 25. Yeah. So at that age, I think that you still have many years ahead yeah. to find... It's still the Victorian pre- period, though. Yeah, but he was not going to die at 25. No. Because he was one of these sort of... Yeah, that's true, he was a scholar. Still a bit mm. privileged people yeah. who was a scholar who had a stipend, so he was not poor at all. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he could have decided to live on because he still had many years ahead to try and think of other solutions. Yeah, and especially because by the end, there's not many, there are not many people left Mm. that are fighting for the cause. So, So this reflection on violence is I think super well done in the novel because yeah. you see it gets us yeah. talking and it's quite open but I prefer Victor's way oh yeah definitely and I think I would be quite happy to get a second novel about on, her yeah yeah on Victoire and yeah that would be interesting yeah yeah I'd love to see yeah. that to read that yeah so yeah great food for the for thought that novel yeah. um high quality novel that really yeah. gets the reader engaged yeah. and also think on about these burning yeah, issues at stake like really is, colonization yeah, fighting domination and violence is it necessary or yeah. not and so in the line of uh, all these thinkers well it's not in the line actually it's uh, the opposite of martin luther king for mm-hmm. example who advocated non-violence non-violence yeah then there is this thought about can non-violence achieve anything yeah so but yeah 
definitely read it. Oh, yeah. Mm, you might need a cushion to uh, prop your book. Yeah, it's a heavy book. Such a heavy book. I don't know if they're ever going to come up with a lighter hot, um, yeah. paperback um, edition. But because you have the paperback, right? It's supposed to be the paperback that you have. It's a paperback, but it's the same yeah, bulk as my hardback. As, uh, yeah, the good thing one. about the hardback, though, I thought, because it's such a thick book that you could just put it on your lap and it uh, stayed open. Ah. So that was nice okay. uh, so for reading. Maybe choose the hardback then. Yeah. What else would you like to read after, after that? So I was looking for um, books similar to this in terms of uh, the academic uh, setting. And I came across, if because I've already read uh, The Secret History, mm. and I came across If We Were Villains by M.L. Riot about um, somebody who was... Um, accused of murder and went to prison for 10 years. And, and I think the novel starts when he gets out of prison and the um, detective that arrested him asked him for answer. And he was part of a group who was studying Shakespeare at, uni at Yale University and mm -hmm. things went okay. bad between um, them. What about you? Um, I think I... I will need to read The Secret History at some point because I keep hearing things about yeah. it. And it's, a, it's a good book. I thought it was a bit too long in the middle, mm -hmm. but it's a good book. And it's what started the genre. So. Yeah, I know. So that's why I want to read it. Also, after reading Babel, I really wanted to read some books, history books on uh, the Industrial Revolution and all the revolts that were induced by this, like the Luddites and so on, mm -hmm. who are mentioned in Babel. I uh, was also in a mood for a book on China, mm -hmm. um, meaning, let's say, Chinese history, yeah. the empire, the culture, and so on, because uh, that's one of the other issues, is that China in England is seen from the Western point of view, and they are not doing a good job of understanding the culture there. Mm -hmm. So that would have been something else that I would have, well, that I want to read. So I need to find a... A good reference here and what i would advise you to <laughs> choose after reading babel is a lighter read because <laughs> yeah it's definitely yeah quite bleak so yeah, yeah. and for dance. cheering up yeah okay so i think that's it for that's it for this today. episode yeah so in two weeks time uh we will have a discussion about a very popular i think we can say subgenre, mm -hmm. which is uh greek a myth uh, retellings. Yeah, I can't wait for this. Yeah, Greece, me too. Greek mythology is really something that I discovered recently. And yeah. yeah, I love, love all it. of those books, yeah. And then our next uh, book club pick is The Invisible Life of Adi Luru. So we are starting uh, our spooky season with a very good book. Can't wait. Yeah, so in one month, this one. Yes. Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening, guys. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. You can also reach us on Instagram for feedback. That would be much appreciated. And if you want to support us, why not share your stories? Bye.